GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand. Hello, thank you for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. If you're a smoker and are thinking about quitting, the Smoking Cessation Clinic at the Health Authority is there to provide support and guidance. Our reporter Cristina Cortez brought us more details after speaking to the Director of Public Health, Dr Helen Carter. We also spoke to the new Minister for Health, Care and Business, Gemma Arias-Vasquez. She's got a lot of responsibilities. There was quite a lot to ask her about, including how she intends to keep the management of the health authority depoliticized. But first, we hear from the Equality, Employment, Culture and Tourism Minister, Christian Santos. I asked him about his first few days in office and how he's planning on taking manifesto promises and making them actionable plans. Good afternoon, Jonathan. How are you? Good? Fine. Are you getting used to your new title? Um, Yes, it's a title I'm very honoured to have. I've got some great ministries, some beautiful ministries, and a lot of them that I can actually work very much directly with the community, which is great. Um, You sort of had expressed an interest in in, uh, being the Minister for Equality and spoken about that, but uh, there are extra responsibilities uh, along with that in terms of how much you have. Um, was it a bit of a surprise? or um, It's always a surprise because um, I didn't know what was coming. We hadn't discussed much before. I, I told uh, the Chief Minister, well, Fabian at the time, and I said, listen, I'm here to serve uh, the people of Gibraltar with whatever you feel I will be best at. Um, he m- made uh, equality and youth one of the early ministries that he was going to give me. And then after that, I was very much open to uh, all the others. So I'm very happy that I got employment so that I could uh, focus very much on supported employment, which is one of the big things that I want to uh, work towards. I'm building a a team for that and also working on the training and apprenticeship program, as well as all the others, you know, tourism and culture are two things that I think should have been partnered earlier on, you know, so it's something that I'm working together very closely. So tell us a little bit about uh, supported employment then and, and how you think that can be improved? Well, I'm building a team right now because um, there is a team that works on it, but because um, I'm I'm in another venue um, and I'm going to bring them with me so that I can work on supported employment together with employment and the equality uh, ministry because I've got the special needs and disabilities office over there. So I can kind of work in a little bit more of a symbiotic way um, within the same premises. I'm uh, meeting the staff very slowly um so hopefully we'll get active on it by the beginning of next week because right now it's very much in transition i've done um i've got into the new office we're, we're getting the new teams in and um i've already done something today i've actually the the cruise line I've, it's it's inaugural cruise so i've just okay. been there to meet the captain it's been great to do that um but i think until everyone is in the office that's when we really can get a head down and really start getting to work right now i'm planning um the planning's going well i'm really Really excited about just getting started. I, I suppose when you've got so many different responsibilities, one of the um, first things you have to do is get to know the people mm. working in the civil service on this and who they are and what their responsibilities are. No? That's what I've been doing for the past few days. I've been meeting a lot of them, like on the culture side. I already know what they do. I work very closely with them. Tourism, I've already met the CEO and the team at the GTB. And I've also uh, worked with the civil service because, you know, ministries and departments work differently. So I'm kind of meeting everyone. I'm meeting the youth service uh, later on. 
on to see how we can move the youth strategy forward. Um, I'm going to employment tomorrow afternoon. I've already uh, met with the the uh, principal secretary and um, I'm just meeting people and identifying what every person does, you know. And, and um, I suppose to a certain extent the, the manifesto on the one hand is very detailed because there's mm. a lot there. But on the other hand, when you choose any one particular manifesto commitment, it's it's a high-level commitment that you then need to work out how you're going to actually make it happen. No? So there's there's work to be done on, on, on how you deliver the promise. Exactly. And a lot of things we have uh, are very much interministerial. Some of them work within my own ministries. As I said, supported employment. I'm able to work under employment, but also with the influence of equality and uh, special needs and disabilities. So that works on its own with one ministry. But there's other ministers with other ministries. For example, I'd like to get the training and apprenticeships um, more involved as well with education so that we can bring in new vocation and training and apprenticeship programs so that we can expand it within other ministries. So I've already spoken to Minister Cortes about it and we're very much looking forward to getting that going. So at the moment it's on the, it's been three days, very intense. I was in the office today at seven in the morning. That's me time when I can go down there, get my paperwork done um, and start planning and then start, you know, distributing the work that I that I want done. Talk to us a little bit about the transition from um election campaigning mm-hmm. to having been sworn in on the Friday with very little sleep how do you how do you then go from that to uh, actually saying okay well this is now my job uh, how am I going to organize my day my campaign um, and most of the uh, and the party's campaign was very much an active working campaign so for me it was about getting ready to start the job on Monday so a lot of the meetings that I had was about planning What could happen if I got elected? You know, if the party got elected, we were very much ready. So right now what's stopping us is maybe logistics and getting into the offices and seeing because some ministries are changing. But for me, I had an extensive list of things that I needed to do if we were to get in. So the campaign has been a very, um, it's been a very honest campaign with regards to what we are going to do, what we're able to do and how we're going to do it. So getting to work, I've opened my books, I've opened my notes, uh, all the information that I'd already gathered and I just got my head down and I'm, I'm, I'm just getting down to work. You said there um, a very honest campaign from your perspective. What tone would you like in political exchanges? Because you've got the the work of uh, the government minister uh, as somebody with the civil service and the public mm-hmm. service, and then you've got parliament where and and also public life uh, where you will at times have a different perspective to the opposition MPs. Yeah. How would you like the tone of uh, your exchanges? in Parliament and with your opposition MPs, what would you like that tone to be? Um, I think um, we all want it to be an easy tone, you know, no one wants to be combative, but I can imagine that when it comes to a party and an opposition, there will be opposing views, which means that I'm not quite sure how different people are going to handle it. But I will always go with the truth and as honest and as authentic as I can. So I will always try and be as calm as I've been in the campaign because I, I haven't had to get aggressive or combative because I've always gone with my facts where they are, my information where it is, and I'm not planning on, on lying or very much. When you have the facts, you can just rely on those to, to be your, you know, be your backbone. Okay, um, you mentioned the importance of um, putting culture and tourism together. Um, what's your thinking? Uh, why is that important? This is a, a personal opinion because for me, our cultural identity is so important and the tourist product that we have is so um 
ingrained in who we are as a, as a people that I want to try and find the or make the Gibraltar experience for the tourist uh, more integrated. So we can also promote not just the tourist sites because this is something that um, I'm not in charge of. I'm in charge of tourism, but not necessarily the tourist sites. So about making the tourist experience um, one where they can learn about Gibraltar as a culture and as a community, not just about let's go and see the apes or let's go and and, and um, see the tourist sites, which happens in, in a lot of different places. You know, you go to Paris and you go and see the Eiffel Tower and that's fine. You come here, you go and see the apes. But I'm very much about seamless experiences. So I'd love to make the whole tourist product a cultural seamless experience where the tourist takes home a flavor of who we are culturally and what we have to offer historically and our tourist sites and everything. They come and they go and they say, wow, I learned a lot about Gibraltar and its people. So it's a great combination for me to have. So what sort of thing do you have in mind in, in that respect? What sort of culture do you think tourists would be impressed by and would work well as a tourism product? Well, culture is a uh, not just about what we create in the arts. It's also about the food we eat, the language. Uh, I'm very much uh, interested in, in um, very much invested, not interested, very much invested, sorry, in the Cultural Identity Centre. So that this, at the end of your tour up the rock, when you finish the Tower of Homage, you can go and examine what makes a modern Gibraltarian. And it's about our identity as Gibraltarians, where we come from, our different backgrounds, you know, and um, promote who we are. Remind me, Christian, has that got uh, Mr. Santos? I think we should now uh, stick to Mr. Santos. Um, Do you have a a location for that cultural identity um, centre? Well, uh, ideally, um, I'd like to do it at the, what was the old prison, um, which is is for studio spaces. We're planning a renovation of that area and a cultural identity centre. That's where I'm planning on going. I've just, as I said, I'm three days in. I need to see everything um, from the manifesto and my discussions. That's where I would ideally like to to have. Uh, ha- it's at the end of, of of your rock tour, essentially. So it would be a fantastic. Yeah, it makes place. sense. No? It makes sense for me to to go there. I need to go, and of course, we need to. Ha, I need a little bit more time to make concrete decisions. No, 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 I've been no, here for three days, but that's where I'm planning on it. Yeah. Okay, and um, and I was thinking a little bit about all the different um, uh, sort of manifesto promises. Mm. Uh, do you now? take the ones that are underneath your ministries and put them on a, a list and start working out how you do them? Is that sort of... And, and how, do you, how do you put them... How, how do you weigh them in terms of priority? Okay. Um, I think this would be a matter, uh, a very ind- individual way of doing it. I am very much about lists and how to achieve those lists and how to not have things pending. So for me, it's exactly that. I will list all the manifesto commitments according to what um, my ministries are. And then I'll, I'll set out to see how I can do it, how my teams can work towards it. I've already got uh, meetings next week about a lot of the stuff uh, with regards to tourism. Um, and culture, I already had a meeting yesterday. And not only the manifesto commitments, new projects and new programs that I want to, now that I've got culture and tourism, uh, that we're discussing new programs to offer uh, a, a, a tourist experience. I'm going to ask you a slightly difficult question, if you oh, don't mind. It's day three, Jonathan. I know, I know, <laughs> but you know, um, we all saw the photos of uh, the cabinet, the first cabinet meeting, and I yeah. think it's fair to say that some ministers looked happier than others. How do you think uh, you those ministers who are less happy, um, you know, can move forward, and, and and will they sort of you know put their disappointments to one side? I'm. 
I can't really speak for anyone else. It's not something that we've been discussing or we've been discussed. It's not, I don't think it's a general feeling where ministers were happy or unhappy. We just sat there on a Monday. Um, for me, there was more than I expected. So um, when I left the office and I, and I kind of uh, got myself together, I was really excited and really looking forward to what I was doing. I'm, I'm, I can only speak for myself. And um, I'm over the moon, to be okay. honest. I've got some fantastic portfolios and, 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 and it seems to me that everyone else is also quite happy about them. You don't have concerns for your fellow um, ministers like being down or, or a little bit disappointed with their well, allocations? My concerns will be uh, if um, I see that they're not having a, a, a great time, a positive experience. But right now, I, I, I don't think that is a, a feeling of disappointment. And if there is, I, I'm, I'm sure that it's up to them to to discuss Don't it. Deal with it. No, you know what happens that for me. It's it's a it's very much. I got my my portfolios and I got off to work and we've discussed. But I don't think, um, I don't know. I can't, I can't speak about for anyone who might feel disappointed or even if they are disappointed. I, I think I, we may be. You're just getting on I don't with. Know. You're just getting yeah? on with it. Sure, sure. Um, okay. Um, you are now going to chair an interministerial committee on the prevention of drug misuse and substance abuse. Uh, your thoughts on that? Um, I'm meeting um, the head of, of service next week. So he has a presentation. We're going to go through it. I'm also the minister for Bruce's Farm. And, and uh, this is um, something that for me on my youth side, I know it affects a lot of people, but really it's in the youth where we can really try and nip this in the bud. So um, as I said, interministerial, we'll have a lot of my ministries involved. I will be meeting next week and then we'll be devising a strategy and a plan and then we'll move forward with that. So right now I've got an open mind because I need to listen to the people that have been doing the work before me see where they're at, and then I'll see where I can take it. Okay, and uh, equality, what are the main drivers for you, or the main sort of focus? Okay, equality, I've subdivided into three different um, sections. So I've got the Special Needs and Disabilities Office. Um, we are holding clinics, any issues that may, uh, come, from, um, that may come from that. Uh, they will also be in charge of the Disability Act, as well as... Um, the disability strategy. Then I've got another uh, wing which is going to be focused on supported employment together with employment and then I have the gender, uh, another arm that will be doing gender, faith, race, all different, uh, all the different areas. So I'm kind of working on three different legs all together but on three different pathways. Okay and um, how, how would you characterize your first few days then? What, what, um, what have been the biggest uh, surprises and, and what's, in, what's impressed you the most? Um, what's impressed me the, the most is how the civil service has, because I don't work in the civil service so for me I've just been um, put into this position, how the civil service has embraced the change of ministers, how fast everything's happening um, and how everyone's just moving around because remember that, that ministries multiple ministries are, are, are separating so tourism was with business before so the staffing is changing and how uh, how determined I am to actually make things happen this is surprising because I always knew I was very determined but when I've got into office and I've realised this is now where I really get to mould what Gibraltar is going to be like and how how much I really just want to get down and do it. <laughs> and uh, let me ask you, what do you think the biggest challenge is going to be in the in the coming months for you as a new government minister? Um, I think it will be finding my tempo. 
because currently I'm running at 100 miles per hour with an investment of time, which is, I don't think, sustainable. Maybe when I'm there literally most of the day from seven in the morning to night. It's a marathon. Yeah, it's a marathon. And I need to realize that because uh, I need to just get things done. But what happens is that I said, right now, my team still needs to come. So the second that I get my full team in the office, this will all change and I'll be able to delegate. And right now I'm running around because I want to make sure that I meet everyone. I meet everyone quickly and I get to start really quickly. That's in my nature though, Azan. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. For the next little while, we're going to be talking to the new government minister, the new health care. Let me see if I can bring up a long list. Health care and business minister, but uh, you've got many other responsibilities uh, now for the next four years. Good afternoon to Gemma Arias Vasquez. Hi, Jonathan. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Your first impressions um, of life as a government minister. It's actually hugely exciting because um, I spent the last month talking about this and um, now it's actually happening. Uh, so for the last for the last couple of days, um, what I've actually tried to do is I've tried to meet um, most of my heads of department, meet as many people as possible. Um, and I've tried to... Um, I, there, there are many ministries there which um, I was shouting from the rooftops about um, wanting. Um, but there are some ministries there which came to me as a bit of a surprise. Um, so I've tried to meet with everyone, try to work out what the issues are and try to work out a plan of action for, for each of the ministries. Okay, so sounds easier said than done. <laughs> indeed. Um, indeed, but um, the, the great thing is the enthusiasm which everyone also has. So um, it's, you know, I've walked into a brand new office with brand new people. Um, everyone's really enthusiastic. Everyone really wants to get on with, get on with work. So it's, it's great so far. Where is your office? My office is in Europort. Um, it's the old um, office for business, tourism, etc. Where Vijay Daryanani used right. to be based. Okay, and um, and does that suit you, you think, geographically? I mean, given your different responsibilities? Uh, it does. Um, I um, We spoke a lot about the depoliticization of the hospital. So I'm not in the hospital, and I think that's very important. Um, we've always said, you know, accountability, but not being on top of the hospital. So it gives me you know, proximity, but not um, not necessarily um, being on top, which is fundamental. And um, they're also fairly central offices. So business, it's great to have business there. Um, and, you know, I can always run around uh, if needed. Okay. And um, and I asked, I think you've more or less spoken to this, but, but how easy has it been to go from election campaign mode to government minister mode? Well, the time frame was um, somewhat rapid because um, election night, you don't sleep election night. We went straight to signing in um, after a short breakfast. Um, and from there, you go straight to press conference, straight to... So um, it was very, it's all very rushed. And then we, as, as Minister Santos has already said, we ran a campaign saying um, we are ready and we want, to get, we want to start working on day one. And that was our ethos throughout. Um, and that's the energy that we wanted to convey. We are ready. We are here to start working. We are here to... Um, we're here to get the job done. You know, I want to stop using the campaign <laughs> slogans, but um, we are. But, and that was, you know, which is why I was keen to meet the heads of the departments on day one. I was keen to get a sense of the plans that we needed to be made. And it's why for the last three days, because remember, this is day three. Um, we've I've pretty much been meeting people, talking to people and finding out um, a plan of action. So so phase one, then getting to know the individuals who, who you need to work with and set policy for. That's right. a, and, and then uh, it's sort of taking the policy and, and helping uh, those teams to, to make those policies plans. That's right. We've also got, we've got our manifesto commitments, obviously. Um, so it's manifesto commitments, how we make those a reality, talking to and importantly listening to 
um, the people on the ground that that um, that know about the different departments and the different areas of expertise. Okay, and and I suppose uh, to a certain extent, then you you um, it's going to take a while to, to to translate those policies, those manifesto promises, to actionable plans. There's going to be a period where you have to talk about the. Well, there are some things that we can get on with and do immediately, um, and there are some things that will take time. Um, there are some things that we'll have to develop the designs, etc. Um, but there are some things that we can get on with and uh, and do almost immediately. You know, there are, there are a couple that we'd like to get on with in the next week, two weeks or so. Such as? Such as, we, you know, we committed to setting up boards, um, a board for uh, Main Street retailers, um, a board, uh, different things like that. There are things like that that are easily done and that we, we can... Um, we can implement quickly. Okay, uh, so those would be some of the easier sort of first uh, things that you can deliver on. Um, when you look at your at your list, I mean, were you expecting your list of responsibilities to be as long as it is? Not really. Um, I expected to get a couple of uh, big portfolios. I, I like, throughout the whole campaign, I was um, pretty much shouting about um, health, sure. uh, elderly residential, and um, the care agency. Um, I didn't, there, there was something there that I didn't expect to get. Um, and when I met with the CEOs of those departments, I was quite honest with them to say, you know, there are some that I can hit the ground running from day one. And there are some that I will need a couple of weeks to get up to speed on. Um, and they've, they've already got me up to speed on, on the issues there. Um, now it's, now it's working out, um, the longer term plan for that. Okay. Do you want to tell us which were the ones you weren't <laughs> expecting to get? Or? Um, I was quite honest. I wasn't expecting utilities. Um, yeah. So that's, that's Aquajib, that, Jibalek. That's right. I haven't spoken to that at all throughout the election. Um, I wasn't expecting uh, that. Okay. And they are big organisations which will have their own issues and challenges. Absolutely. Um, but look, you know, like I said, I've already met with everyone. Um, we're going on a site visit. And there's already board meetings planned. Um, so. Uh, um, I, I come from a background where I'm used to working long hours, um, so it's uh, it's a case of you know putting in the long hours to make sure that I'm up to speed with those issues. So um, will uh, sort of uh, <laughs> the the challenge of trying to make the number of power cuts as small as possible <laughs> is that your challenge? Uh, apparently, it's my fault when <laughs> when it happens now. Um, Look, I, I don't come from an engineering background, obviously, um, but there are things that, that we need to speak about and that we need to to make sure. Um, happens as 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 little as possible. Okay, and we've we've had a we've we've heard a lot about investment in infrastructure and and in making sure that the grid is um it, yeah that, that that there are there are ch- going to be challenges there that I'm sure that we'll be able to talk to you more about in the coming uh, weeks and months. Um, what about um the the quality of care? What what does that entail? Does it sit, I suppose, quite naturally uh, as an extension of health and care? Absolutely, it sits. Um, it sits very naturally with um, with health, etc. As does public health. Public health is something that I was keen um, to bring into the health portfolio um, because there, there there is and there should be an emphasis on trying to keep people healthy for as long as possible, and that is um, where public health is is fundamental. I've already met with our director of public health um, to put together programs, etc. Um, on on that aspect, but I was I, I was actually very keen for public health to be part of. Um, the health, uh, the Ministry of, of Health. Okay, and uh, I mean, to, to point out the obvious, what, why is it so important to link them? Um, because pub- I mean, we became very familiar with public health and the Director of Public Health through the pandemic. Um, but the Director of Public Health also um, looks at, you know, 
uh, health generally um, and how to keep people out of hospital, you know, uh, looks at studies as well. You know, one of the questions that I was asked in the campaign was the prevalence of cancers in Gibraltar, etc. And the director of public health is the one that looks at all of these issues um, and looks at um, what is causing this and, and, and why these numbers are there. Um, so, so she is the person that draws these things together. So I thought it was very important for her to be part of the health portfolio. Okay, so so you you welcome that change. Um, uh, we heard uh, minister the minister for culture and tourism and equality talk about the importance, or, or rather the the fact that because the before different ministries used to be. Uh, together and now a bit of one ministry is joining the bit of another, uh, that that's going to take some time. I suppose that's true for you as well. And, and will there be a little bit of uh, time before the, the civil servants sort of find their respective roles? Well, yes and no, because um, because my ministries are quite... Um they're quite tidy, I suppose, in the, in, the, in in that respect. No, the port manages the port very well, yeah. and it's a it's a unit in and of itself. The port authority. Similarly, the maritime authority manages itself. Um, so there's no there's nothing that we needed to separate out because they were already quite distinct um, departments. So I've moved into the Ministry of Businesses offices, so I'm already there in um, in that area. And health, as I said, we are depoliticizing health. Um, so there, there will be a couple of people that work with me from the health ministry, as I've said, the director of public health, etc. Um, but it's quite a distinctive um, portfolio in and of itself. So there's not an awful lot of separation that that we've that I've had to do there. Okay, um, looking at um, at procurement, which is another of your responsibilities. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that that is um, a team, a, a small team, which has a, a rather difficult. Uh, task in in sort of managing procurement for the whole of uh, of the public service. Um, it, do you get the sense that they are sort of uh, the right size, or could they do? Do they want more uh, members uh, to, to to join? Do you want? Do they want to enlarge their team? Again, I met with the the head of the department for procurement on Monday, um, and yeah, he does feel that the team needs to be enlarged. Um, I think there's also some streamlining to do um, to do there. So I think we need to in, look at in processes or in, in processes, yeah. So that the the, the process is more streamlined um, there. Um, so I think it's a it's looking at both angles. No, looking at um, the team itself and the areas in which the team is involved. No, the the um, the extent to which it gets involved in different government departments and also um, a bit of a streamlining of the process. Okay. Sorry, I was just checking our, our WhatsApp messages coming in there. Um, let me ask you, in respect of business, you, you mentioned they're putting together a, a board. Uh, there was a, a promise to uh, look at renovating Main Street. Mm -hmm. uh, I suppose that's that's one of the reasons uh, for, for that board. Is that right? And that's right. There. I mean, there's uh, the Main Street retailers. We met with the Main Street retailers during the campaign, um, and they've got they've got ideas of their own. They've got um, uh, initiatives which they would like to um, to start up and they feel that they are a collective um, which sits nicely within business but they've also got um, separate um, uh, I don't want to say interests but they've got separate uh, areas no, which they need to need to look at so yeah the beautification of Main Street is one area but there are many other aspects you know how to how to attract people to Main Street how to you know, are there going to be events in Main Street I remember that um, during Minister Costa's time, there was there was a Christmas concert. Um, they're, they, they're looking at those sort of uh, those those sort of things as well. 
Okay, um, and you've you used to be part, used to lead the uh, Federation of Small Businesses. You envisage the ch- the chamber and the Federation of Small Businesses being a part of that. Um, absolutely. So the the Main Street Board will will um, have a member of the GFSB in the chamber. There are other boards that are set up already where they are already part of. And in any event, um, I, I obviously know the uh, the two associations well, and I will be reaching out to them to meet up with them to find out what their uh, well, I would say what their wish lists are, but we, it was made very clear to us yeah. during the campaign what their wish lists are. So, and um, we will be reaching out to them on an ongoing basis. Um, yes, yeah, so, so I suppose now you, you, you've got uh, you, you, you already took account of those wish lists and produced your manifesto, and now you need to sort of deliver. Yeah, <laughs> deliver on the manifesto promises. Um, okay, let's uh, let's talk about the largest um, ministry, which is uh, in ter- certainly in terms, I think, of staff as well as in uh, spend, uh, the health ministry. Um, you've talked a little bit about uh, the need to depoliticize it, but um, uh, let me let me put to you uh, one of the issues that um, you you talked about: aligning mental health with clinical health services and relocating the mental health service currently cited at Coling Island into the hospital. Uh, talk to us about the thinking behind that, and then maybe I'll put a. Uh, an alternative perspective to for yes. you to speak to it. Uh, this was part of the the strategy. This was part of the recommendations that were made to us. Um, and coming from the outside, you think it's a it's a it's a great initiative because you have your GPs there. You have your the interaction between the psychologists and the GPs. Um, so last night on the news, um, there was a clinician that said that that wasn't ideal. Um, that wasn't actually news to us because in the course of the campaign, after that announcement was actually made. This issue has already been raised numerous times with us. Um, and what we said is, if that uh, remember that we are talking about the GHA being clinician-led, yeah? So if it's clinician-led and the clinicians are telling us that this doesn't work, in the course of the campaign, we were already told by clinicians that we might have to rethink this. Um, we The message that we want to send out is that we are here to listen. And if the clinicians are telling us that this doesn't work, then we will obviously have to, to rethink that um, and that was something that we actually said during the campaign at numerous meetings. Okay, um, let me put to you one question. I, I, I put one potentially difficult question to Mr. Santos. One potentially difficult question to you. Maybe it isn't. Maybe I'm being unfair. But a few people were surprised to receive uh, text messages uh, from the health authority uh, just days before the election, uh, sort of promising... Uh, a a health uh, sorry a dentist uh, it, it read something like we are reviewing our dental waiting lists and we you will be contacted within the next thirty days uh, for an appointment which um, sort of you know when when everything is so feeling so political had a, a political feel to it I know you weren't the health minister then um, but but do you want to speak to that perception that that was a politically motivated uh, yeah. uh, mail shot yes so. There have been issues. So I've I've been sat having clinics. I've been sat um, listening. Sorry, listening to people um, uh, on on issues relating to health. And one of the um, issues, one of the recurrent issues that we have um, that that constantly comes up is the dentists. Um, and remember that the depolitization means that the the health authority is continuing, notwithstanding the fact that yes, there was this general election. Um, I think the, the the GHA and the board of the GHA in particular was very well aware that there was this issue that that people were saying that den- that their children hadn't been um, seen to. 
it's arisen at every single point that, that we've spoken to. So this isn't something which has arisen as a result of the general election. This has arose before the general election. This was uh, this was something that since COVID, people have been talking um, about this. Um, so uh, did, did we have anything to do with the timing? I wasn't even Minister for Health at the time. I was conscious that it was an issue, um, but most certainly, most certainly not. And I think it's something that needs to be the appointments need to be given to to children. So I'm very glad that the messages went out, and I very much hope that the um, appointments are followed through. Okay, so it was uh, it was a message saying um, you we, you will be contacted for appointments, and uh, I'm sure that um, parents of young children are looking forward to receiving the the message that says this is your appointment. Um, okay, uh, Ms. Arias Vasquez, before I let you go, you've talked about. Um, you know, sort of not being physically located in the hospital and that being a benefit to, to, to trying to keep it as depoliticised, the management of the GHS, as, as depoliticised as possible. Uh, in what other ways do you think uh, that can be achieved and making sure that the health authority is, uh, you know, sort of led by uh, the GHA management and not the health minister? Uh, I, have, uh, I have no medical background. So I have no intention of getting involved in the day-to-day decisions of um, of the GHA. I think it's important to say that the that as a government minister, you need to have oversight of the organisation. You need to make sure that the, there's the the board is robust um, because you are effectively handing over control of the GHA completely to this board. Um, but day-to-day decisions are, are entirely a matter of the board policy um, and policy decisions and making sure that things are ticking along properly. Um, are um, within the remit of the government, so I think it's a, I think it's a very careful balance that needs to be maintained there. You know, listening to the general public, but not getting involved and accepting that once a clinician says this has been done for this reason, that is correct. So I think it's, it's a careful balance, but one that. Um, but you go in there sort of with a clear idea of of how to do it. No? I, I have in principle, fairly, I have fairly clear ideas in principle. Obviously, these ideas, um, once you go in, then the reality is it may be somewhat different. But in principle, I have a fairly clear idea that the board manages um, the GHA, and then uh, the minister oversees the board on behalf of the, of the people of Gibraltar and holds holds the board accountable. So sure. Okay. Well, we wish you every success because <laughs> uh, we we all want a health authority that's striving. Um, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. Um, uh, well, firstly, about uh, being a constituency MP for the West Side area. This is an interesting sort of uh, new thing that's happened uh, after this election that uh, each of the government ministers has an area, apart from Sir Joe Bosano, who has um, uh, uh, what uh, he's uh, responsible for the elderly. Okay, that's right. So how, how how did you foresee that playing out and, and you know, how, what will it mean in practice? Well, um, well it's, um, in the first instance, it's it's my area. Um, I keep on saying, you know, in my party political broadcast, I said I was born in Ralbeg. But then um, as soon as Montague Gardens was built, my parents moved into Montague Gardens. So it's an area that I know very well. I know okay. the West Side. Um, how do I see it planning out? Planning out? Um, it's a case of if you have an issue, come and tell us about it. It's a case of um, if you have an issue and it's not a health issue, if you have an issue and it's not a housing issue, or if you have a housing issue and you want to come and speak to Gemma about it, rather, come like and the, speak the to us. the management estate, for example, if they have an issue at Westside, you might be an appropriate... Then they need the government's sort of input. We might be an appropriate area. Um, obviously, we need to realise the different remits of the, of the management company, etc. But yes, if there is an issue, they might come and speak to us about it. Um, but more importantly, you know, constituents themselves, if they have... 
if they have a burning issue that they feel they need government involvement in. Um, we we want people to know that we are there, we are listening, and we'll be there and we'll be listening throughout the term of government. Okay. And and finally, Ms. Arias Vasquez, uh, the first government cabinet to have two women ministers, the first parliament to have two opposition MPs as well who are women. Um, so we've gone from two to four in the parliament how, and from one to two in, in, uh, in government. So a 100% increase on both sides. Yep. This is great. Um, but I very, very much hope to get to the point that we don't even need to discuss this, you know, that it's so normal that there's a lot of women involved in Parliament, there's a lot of women involved in politics, that it's no longer even a subject to be discussed, that it's just the given. Um, so I think that's where that's where we've got to get to. So great improvement, um, but we've got to get to a point that this is just perfectly normal. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today. With Jonathan Scott. Are you a smoker? Have you considered quitting? The Health Authority is trying to help people in that situation this week. Christina Cortez is here with the details. Christina. Hello. Yes, so uh, October, the first half of October was dominated by the election, but there's plenty of other stuff uh, going on as well. And Public Health wanted to highlight its Stoptober campaign to encourage and help people to quit smoking. So it's highlighted the dangers of smoking. We're all aware of these in theory, but a stark reminder in terms of statistics is that 95% of all lung cancer cases in Gibraltar are people who either smoke or used to smoke. And of course, there's also risks of chronic respiratory conditions, heart disease and more. So those are the risks of smoking. But uh, I asked Director of Public Health, Dr Helen Carter, how soon the benefits of quitting kick in. Virtually straight away, you'll see improvements in your blood markers. But by the time you've quit for a year, your risk of uh, heart conditions and blood pressure comes down. By the time you get to five to ten years, your risk of cancer really starts reducing by then. So it's really important that if people want to quit smoking, they seek help and advice. So public health is very keen to emphasise uh, that it has that help and advice on offer that you don't have to go it alone. The Smoking Cessation Clinic uh, is there with a range of techniques and products such as nicotine replacement, uh, as well as support, uh, understanding and encouragement. So, for example, we have nicotine replacement patches. Most people find that patches are well tolerated and it helps provide that nicotine support through the day at a consistent level. They'll also talk about behavioural techniques that you can use, including identification of triggers. A lot of people, for example, use smoking as stress relief. So what they'll do is give you some suggested alternatives about what to do when you're feeling stressed or indeed when you have a drink. A lot of people have a, a what we call a coupling ritual where you have a drink, you'll have a smoke. Again, it's being conscious of those behavioural links and developing new strategies and new behaviours. And you've mentioned uh, the importance of having support uh, when, when giving up. It's really, really important. Um, giving up smoking is very difficult with the support of your family, but also support of friends, support of the smoking cessation service as well. You know, our advice is don't ever quit on quitting. Just because you've had an unsuccessful quit attempt, have another try and the support is there. Dr Helen Carter of Public Health Gibraltar speaking to Christina Cortez who's reporting on the GHA's smoking cessation efforts this month. Yes, so um, the emphasis there is, as as Dr Carter said, is uh, not to quit on quitting. That, you know, it's if, if you give up, 
if you give if you don't manage to give up, don't be discouraged. There is help available. Um, we also discussed uh, vaping, um, which is of course an alternative that people who try to to give up smoking, give up cigarettes, often uh, often take up. Uh, a ban on single-use disposable vapes is on the horizon um, to discourage people, uh, especially young people, from taking up vaping for its own sake rather than, for example, as a less harmful substitute for smoking cigarettes. So uh, Dr. Carter explained the, the thinking around this as well. So vaping is estimated to be 95% less harmful than smoking cigarettes. That's not to say it's harm-free. So our advice along with many chief medical officers around the world, is if you smoke, it's safer to vape. But if you don't smoke, don't vape. So the advice being uh, as well, you know, if you don't don't take up smoking, don't take up vaping if you're not already. But if you have and uh, you do want to give it up, there is help available. Um, you can book an appointment with the Smoking Cessation Clinic by calling 200-52441. That's 200-52441 and get the, some of that support that, that you might need uh, in order to try and kick the habit for good. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.